out your message notes this morning. I want to talk about that, a divine setup. I'm cognizant of the time, but I want you to leave with something inside of your heart and share a little bit of my heart and give you the vision to be in position that we believe the best is yet to come. So the point for us is we've got to get ready. We've got to be ready. We've got to be in position when God brings a divine moment in our life. And this morning, I'm going to talk from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. A divine setup. See, as a church, we're experiencing something unusual. You say, well, I'm not sure you are. Let me tell you this. Over 4,000 churches every year shut their doors, and we're growing. That's a miracle. I've coached church planners all across America, and to see what God has done in this place is nothing short of a miracle, that our people have gotten into position when God's timing aligned up with us, and then seize the moment, we seize the opportunity, and we step through the doors that God opened up for us. And so for us, it's important that we are in position for the divine setup that God is bringing to our lives. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 it says for you were once in darkness this is Paul talking to the Ephesians he's talking to them after they had just been saved and he says but for you were once in darkness but now you are the lights in the Lord the light in the Lord so I was in darkness didn't know God but now you're light in the Lord and then look at verse 15 It says, be careful then how you live. Everybody say, be careful. Say it again, say, be careful. It says, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are, everybody say it, evil. Because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. Now, this is a very interesting passage. Paul is talking to the Ephesians. He's saying, listen, you're born again, you're saved, but now you are the light of God. And he actually, in the verses in there, he talks about them. Don't be deceived. Don't fall away. Don't get distracted. But you got to stay focused. Why? Because you're the light of God. And then I love what he says. He says, "For be careful because uh, you got to make the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. Listen, you're going to be careful. The days are evil. There are opportunities that are going to come to your life. And what you've got to do is you've got to make sure you make the most of those opportunities. Now, when you study this out, that word opportunity right here is actually the same word we talked about last week, which is kairos. The Greek had two words for time. There was chronos, which is chronological, it's sequential, it's minutes, it's hours, it's days, it's months, it's years. And then there's this word they have for time, which is chronos. And and what that is, is that's a moment in time where eternity steps into here on earth. There is this invasion of heaven, the super on top of the natural. It's not sequential in time. It's a divine moment where God in eternity steps into the natural. And so it's very interesting here that when Paul's talking about your opportunity, make the most of this Kairos moment. He says, listen, be careful how you live. you got to make the most of this moment. Now, why would he say that? Look at it backwards. I like it like this. He says, because the days are evil, make the most of every opportunity. How many know we're living in some evil days? 
How many know that life is crazy right now? I don't know about you, but there's no hope in the government. How many watch the debate? How many are happy with the debate? How many left the debate and thought, Woo, we've got a champion. There's Savior. We've got it. America's on the right track. How many watched the debate and were more frustrated than you've ever been? I mean, I, I don't know about you, and oh, pa pastor's going to talk about politics. No, this is what I'm going to tell you. I want you to vote your values. I'm not going to tell you which candidate to vote for, but I will tell you this. Which one will represent our values the most? Which one will represent us and protect our freedom? Which one, if elected, would elect the right Supreme Court justices that would uphold conservative values? And this is what I saw after the debate. I'm not happy with either candidate. I think it's kind of a lose-lose, but I'm going to vote. Everybody say, I'm going to vote. Because people paid their life for us to have the freedom to vote. Amen? So we got to vote. You say, okay, God, I'm going to vote. But the reality is this, the days are evil. When that's the best choices that we have, come on, somebody, we're in some trouble. And so God knew that. He's not afraid of this moment. He's not sitting in heaven wondering, oh, my gosh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. No, he says this, in those moments when the days are evil, I want you to seize every Kairos moment. I'm going to break in from heaven, and my super's going to be on the natural. But you got to make the most of that opportunity. That there is this God moment in our lives that, that we can expect, not just the moment of salvation, not just when we come into a saving faith, but God, my life can be set up for these Kairos moments where God, you invade this earth, that my life is impacted by the eternal, and God, you move in my life. Why? Because the days are evil. And sometimes we have to fight this mentality of this passive Christianity. Oh God, we'll just take whatever you give us. Oh God, well, well that door didn't open up so it might not have been a God. This is what I know. Sometimes God's doors are forcefully driven open. Sometimes you got to do some spiritual warfare. There might have been a no. That just means i got to get back on my knees. God, I don't know what's going on, but God, I begin to pray. And that's what I love about praying in the Spirit. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm praying, God, your will be done. The mysteries of heaven. God, I speak it into the heavenlies. And sometimes you just got to get on your knees and you got to fight for the answer. Isn't that what we see in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12? Sometimes we think Christianity is passive. No, we've got to forcefully advance the kingdom of God in our life. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. Everybody say violence. Violence. That, that's not a pretty word. Like, like the enemy is trying to steal, to kill, and destroy. Somebody said, Pastor, my life is, is not going well. Yeah, because we're fighting a devil that hates you and all of his cronies, and they're trying to destroy your life. You're in a good place because the power of God, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. So my, my Christian faith is not marked by, okay, God, maybe, maybe, you know, there's a tack. I'm doing something wrong. No, baby, maybe you're doing something right. And look at what he says. He says, the forceful people lay hold of it. So what we have to know is there are Kairos moments in your life that God's going to break into your life. And I believe you've got to step forward. You've got to advance God's kingdom. You've got to say, I'm going to not miss this moment. I'm going to be in the right place at the right time for God's supernatural moment in my life. So how do we do it? How do we do it? I just want to talk quickly. Four verbs. 
And really, this is the vision of our church. Four verbs that are going to position you for a Kairos moment. That, that moment where eternity breaks into the, the, the natural. The first verb is this, follow, follow, follow. we got to follow Jesus. Listen, after a Kairos moment happens and you're born again and salvation takes place, now you've got to become a Christ follower. You've got to say, listen, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to live my life in such a way that I follow in his footsteps. He never asked us to be believers. Did you know the devil believes in God? He's not looking for believers. He's looking for followers. Your belief in Jesus ought to produce some action. Then now I'm following Jesus. So look at Mark 8, 34. We see this. He says he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he said, so he's like, come on, come on. Everybody come here. He's getting all his disciples and all the people. And he's gathering them together. And look at what he says. If you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and believe. No, no, that's not what he said. He said what? He said, follow me. So the moment that we have this God encounter, this Kairos moment where he changes our life, now the work begins. Now we say, listen, I'm going to follow you. It doesn't matter what happens in my life. You have saved me. I've had this moment. And now I choose to give you my life. And the way I do it is not simply believe, but I'm going to follow. I'm going to be a Christ follower. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow. See, see, he wasn't looking for church membership, though that's good. He's not looking for church attendance. You can attend church all you want. You can come each and every Sunday. But that's not the mark of Christianity. That's the mark of religion. So it's a good part of Christianity. But can I tell you, true relationship means that I follow you on Monday. I follow you on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Friday, and then we just have this big group gathering on Sunday. And this is when all the followers gather together. So we have to be careful that it's not just this gathering of this religious like we believe, but then on Monday you live like the devil. We believe, but there's no proof in your life. And so we as believers have got to have lives that are followers of Jesus. I follow you. I follow you. I love it. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Come on, you know that old hymn. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. You got to be a follower. The second thing is this you got to connect. You want to position yourself for Kairos moments? You got to connect with the body of Christ. He didn't intend for us to be out there all on our own. Yes, you can have a God moment on your own. I'll never forget February 7, 2003 at 1230. Many of you heard my story for the first time. God moved in my life. I became a follower of Christ. But do you know that next week I was in church and I hadn't missed church. Why? Because I got connected to the body of Christ. That to set our lives up for these Kairos moments, we've got to connect relationally with the body of Christ. Listen, we are better together. Everything in life is better together. Your family is better because it's connected. The better connected your family is, the better your family is. Your business is great when it's connected. When it's connected to the right employees and the right people and the right things, your business is great. Well, the same is true with the body of Christ. That as believers, when we become followers and we get connected to the right place... Great things will happen. Why? Because you're connected. You're setting yourself up for these Kairos moments that were connected to the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12. 
says, just as a body, though one has many parts, and he's relating this to the body of Christ, but all of its parts form one body. So you're a part of the body of Christ. We're connected together. We form one body. So it is with Christ. Look, I got a friend out here. Where's Mr. Potato Head? <laughs> so here's my friend right here. So, so this is what I know us as people. We as individuals have had great God moments. And you think about it. Listen, some of you have experienced salvation and maybe you're a mouth. <laughs> you're like, Pastor, you got her. Hey, maybe you're an ear. <laughs> Pastor, you got it. So here then we got this. Maybe you're a nose. You, you, you're, you're all these little pieces. And, and the challenge is when we're not connected, we're just all these random parts just sitting here. But God called us to connect to a body. Mr. Potato Head. So this is the proper Richmond and Sugar Land. That's the Rose Rich. <laughs> what y'all want, proper or what y'all, how about we do it sideways? <laughs> so here's the key, right? I mean, the, the, the key is this. Listen, you're, you, you got saved. You come in, you get part of the body. And so you think, man, listen, pastor's preaching good. Uh, yeah, come on, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna plug into the body, and and so we we see these. Everybody, what's this? These are some eyes, some good old eyeballs. They go about right here, and so we got a nose. Come on, everybody. We put the nose right here, and just you know, the key is this: we're we're plugging into the body of Christ, right? And so what what we see is someone gets saved, and God touches their life, and so it's an amazing thing because the point is, by yourself you can do nothing, but together, the great thing is, we can do something, right? It's awesome. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Somebody give Mr. Potato Head. And you're saying, what in the world, man? You didn't even put them in the right place. You didn't even put Mr. Potato Head back together in all the right pieces. No, I didn't because the third part is more important. Not only do you have to discover what you are. Listen, maybe you're an eye. Maybe you're a nose. Maybe you're a hand and an ear. And maybe you're this mouth. And so my challenge is this. I wonder if that's what a lot of churches look like. They're people that are connected. But the problem is they've never identified what they are and then gone to the right place. Let me ask you this, can eyes hear? No, what were they intended to do? To see. So the key for us to set our church up in these God moments is to first identify what part God's called you to play. You've got to discover, God, how did you create me? How did you design me? Because we believe design determines destiny. And discovering how God created you and then, and then say, okay, listen, I'm an I. I'm not everything, but this is what I am, and I'm going to see the best that I could possibly see. And then you've got to identify, what's this? This is an ear. And so we see the ear and say, well, you know what? This ear wasn't designed to taste things. This ear was designed to what? To hear. And so I'm going to go into this place now. I may not be the hat. I may not be the eyes. I may not be the ear, but, or whatever it is, but I am the ear, and I'm going to listen. And then we got the mouth. 
So God's called you to speak or teach or whatever it is that God's called you to do. And you just say, listen, I'm going to play my part. I'm not everything. I'm going to play this part. And then the ear, you go back into the right location. And, and then you recognize what you are is that you're a nose. And then you get into the right position. Now what we have is we have a body that's effective that can go and do what it was intended to do. That's the beauty of this church. From day one, listen, our whole goal has been this. We want you to get connected. You know, we're not the only church. If you're not going to connect to this church, you need to get in a church. you got to be connected. But it doesn't do us any good. See, that's why you'll never have us ask someone who is great at administration to go and greet people in the breezeway. Why? Because they're connected to the right place, but they're in the wrong position. And I know this, that's how people get burned out. That's how people get hurt. Why? Because they're working hard, doing all the things they can do. But the problem is they're playing the wrong part on the right body. And this is why we are so adamant about discovering who God created you to be in our Next Steps class. Why? Because some of you, if I could just be candid, you don't even know what you are. You know, you kind of look at this, and that's the funny thing about Mr. Potato Head. you got to look at it for a little while. Like, I don't know if that's an ear or a tongue or... I mean, so, and so what we do is we want to help you discover your spiritual gifts and your personality profile and then say, hey, listen, I think you might be craftsmen and be able to work with your hands. I think maybe you've got the gift of exhortation and you've got the ability to draw people together. You light up a room so you ought to be greeting or hosting. And I think you've got the ability to teach and you love kids. Maybe you ought to go out into the back and teach our kids and love on our babies and keep doing this until we get you into the right place place so that we can continue to make a great impact the right place for maximum impact why because you've got a kairos moment here robert you can take him give robert a hand and then last is this it's serve so it's follow connect discover serve serve this is the thing that brings the greatest joy. Now, once you've discovered how God's created you, once you've connected to the right body, there is nothing in your life that brings great joy to a person like making a difference in the life of someone else. Someone else, someone that can't do something for you. Maybe they could, but you're not asking them. You're just saying, hey, listen, God, you gave me some amazing gifts. You gave me some talents. You created me in a supernatural way. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to serve those people that you bring in around me. I'm going to serve. Serve. See, some of you feel void in your life. Listen, you're feeling void. So you come to church each and every week. You got connected. You might even know how God created you, but you've never really plugged in somewhere to make a difference. The reality is this. There is nothing that would fill that void except to love people and to serve people. There's no promotion. There's no vacation. That void is inside of you. Why? Because until you do what you were created to do, you are sitting idle. You're not doing what the Creator created you for. And so that joy is in the fulfillment of, God, you created me this way. I've discovered it. I'm not an accident. See, I, I hear somebody out there saying, Pastor, you don't know I'm an accident. My mom and dad, they didn't plan me. Can I tell you, that's their story. That's not God's story. 
He knew that you were coming. He fashioned you and He formed you in the, in, in the belly of your mother's womb and God created you fearfully and wonderfully. You're not an accident. And I love what John 15, 8 says. Talking about serving and bearing fruit. It says this is... This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It goes back to the thing, are we believers or are we followers? Because followers produce fruit. That the salvation that takes place in your life, it's not for you to just feel good and to have this wonderful experience. That salvation that God saved you, set you free, delivered you, is so that you can go back into the world and seek and save those who are lost. That God in our lives, the greatest way we know is to use the gift that you've given to us. Look at verse 11. I, I I love it. Some of you, you, you haven't had joy in a long time. I wonder if it's because you're not set up for these Kairos moments, this divine moment where God infuses you with joy. But look at what he says about joy. He says this, I have told you this. He's talking about bearing fruit so that my joy may be in you. It's the only place in the Bible where he says this latter part that your joy may be complete. See, I'm going to put my joy in you as you bear fruit, as you discovered how I created you, why I created you. You get a part of a body. You begin to operate the way it's created to operate. I'm going to actually put my joy inside of you. And when you experience it, that joy is complete. Someone said, well, Pastor, I don't know. Just ask somebody on our dream team how alive they come on Sundays. Opening a door, saying hello, giving high fives, making coffee. How many enjoyed the coffee at our coffee stations? setting up this stage and you say well pastor that looks like a lot of work yeah to you who's not a craftsman that may look like a lot of work but to the men and women that craftsmanship is your number one gift that looks like relationship that looks like fulfillment that looks like I can do that see I can't do what you do pastor but I can put my hands on some things I can ratchet a wrench and if I could do that to see people saved I want to be a part of that and when I am my joy is full in him I have people all the time tell me, Pastor, how do you get hundreds of people to serve? It ain't me, it's God. We figured out the system of we just got to engage people. It's about engaged faith. It's God, I want to follow you. God, I want to connect to the body. And then I've got to discover my place. And then after I've discovered it, I've got to engage. <laughs> That's the vision of the church. On Vision Sunday, Pastor, what's the vision? That's the vision. We want to be a functional Mr. Potato Head. We just want to say, God, would you use us? God, would you use this church in Rosenberg, Texas? Of men and women, teenagers, children, that say we have engaged. That, Lord, we're seizing the opportunity of a lifetime. This Kairos moment. God, I don't know when they happen. I, I just remember even last year, Second Baptist. Didn't know we were going to buy Second Baptist. But you know what? We were in position. We were serving. We were giving. We were loving. We were growing. And then, boom, all of a sudden, opportunity. It's like, well, of course we're going to walk in it. Why? Because God set us up and we engaged in His process. I just want to challenge some. I, I hear someone even now saying, Pastor, life's not easy. It's been tough. 
I'd like to tell you this, you're probably in the right place, on the right path, with a God that will never leave you, He'll never forsake you. The enemy would love to stop what God is doing in your life. So I have just learned this. It's not that my problems ever stop. It's not that they ever go away. It's that I get something that's greater than my problems to live for. And this morning, I would just pray over each of you, that wherever you're at, listen, some of you need to become followers, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Some of you need to connect to the body of Christ. You need to get connected in small groups. You need to get connected relationally. You need to join this church. You need to plug in. I know this, that deep roots produce great fruit. You just got to plug into a place. And I'm convinced this. We're never going to be a church that tries to, to, to keep people. We're going to be a church that tries to reach people. And there is a little bit of a difference because what, what, what we don't want to do is we don't want to say, hey, my job is just to keep you, keep you. I, I want to keep everybody happy, 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 happy. But if I'm trying to keep everybody happy, who's reaching the lost? See, our job is this. We're going to have good soil. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to serve people. We're going to love people. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to worship. We're going to see miracles happen. We're going to do our life retreats. We're going to just create this soil. And then your job as people, and I'm talking about connect, is say this. I think I found a house. I think I found a church. I'm going to put roots right here. And I promise you, when you put roots in, you're going to see great fruit. Why? Because it's in good soil. And then discover. Some of you just got to discover. You can do that after this service. We have our next steps class. Start the process. Give me four Sundays, four Sundays. We feed you, take care of your kids. It's the vision of the church. Run the play. Run the play. Say, well, my life's not working. Are you running the play? Are you in small groups? Are you in next steps? Because that's really the next thing. And then ultimately, let's engage. It's the body of Christ. Engage. I, I just see God raising up a church full of men and women, teenagers and children that are engaged.